can you imagine you have like little to no nitrogen and you put all the nitrogen that you have in these young leaves that are just doomed. Like that's not very smart. Plants are smarter than that. And so that's why we think probably in sites that are naturally low in fertility, plants have evolved this strategy to save as much nutrients as possible. Welcome to Ecology Matters, a podcast from the Ecological Society of Australia. In each episode, meet a different ecologist, discover what makes them passionate about Australian ecology, what their hopes and fears are for the future of our natural world, and why they think that ecology really does matter. Yeah, that's when I was I was hooked. It's it's really about pursuing one's curiosity and one's passion. I wanted to understand more of the mechanisms behind these things. I could see what I could contribute to make it a better place. I instantly fell in love with Morphogue. It's an amazing result to start with and uh, promising leading into our next experiments. I have to feel it's making a difference. I often feel like I have the best job in the world. <laughs> absolutely huge it's been so wonderful <laughs> our guest this episode is Giancarlo Chiarenza Gian is a PhD candidate at the University of New South Wales investigating the mechanisms behind delayed greening in plants delayed greening occurs when plants withhold chlorophyll from leaves until they're mature resulting in the young expanding leaves being all sorts of colors from red and pink to purple Delaying the input of chlorophyll in this way may help the plant to reduce its loss of nutrients to herbivores. This makes sense when you consider that young leaves are often more tender and therefore more appealing to herbivores than the tougher, mature leaves. Jan plans to investigate whether withholding of chlorophyll from young leaves is linked to soil fertility, a question particularly pertinent in Australia, large parts of which are renowned for their nutrient-poor soils. His research received the 2021 Wiley Fundamental Ecology Award. I started loving botany during my first year of, of the bachelor. So like 11 years ago, 20 years ago. And I actually enrolled in natural science because I was interested in rocks. And this botany professor, very grumpy, but so lovely, just made me fall in love with plants. I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. And it was actually a pretty good advice. So I went the way bachelor in natural sciences with the thesis in botany and then the master in botany and then I had to choose what I'm going to do with my life the two choices were do something like applied botany phytoremediation and stuff like that or like theoretical botany I'm more interested in doing this kind of theoretical sciences but everyone would just say no John that's that's wasted and with all my PhD goals, same thing. They would say, that's not applied enough. Okay, but how are we going to make money out of this? And it's like, we don't. That's, you know, love for knowledge. And so it's like, no, John, just do what makes you happy. Because I'm always with that part. Like, do what you love. You never work one day in your life. And so I found Angela. And she was actually interested in, you know, fundamental ecology which is very weird because it doesn't bring that much money and so we decided on this project because i love soil and plant soil relationships and i'm finally colorblind so it's like this is just the perfect project studying the color of leaves and i thought it was pretty crazy so i was like no yes let's do this 
And she told me, there are no money for this, but we find a way. And so as I'm studying how soil fertility impacts the amount of chlorophyll in the leaves, I was like, okay, Australia is not very good with soil fertility because the plan was to do like almost all the world, even Europe, but with COVID and stuff, I was like, okay, let's choose something that is like very known for fertility, which is more or less reachable. And then we thought New Zealand is perfect. Like the latitude is more or less the same of Australia, the soils and history is totally different. Let's just do it. And I love New Zealand. It's just like such an amazing country and species are totally different. And I was so curious about that. The original project was to sample a latitudinal gradient all around the world. Like I had places in like different countries. Like this was when I just arrived, 2019, when COVID was just a name far away from us. And so like we created this amazing outline of a project and then COVID happened. So we need to, we had to choose change totally project or rearrange it. But I love this project so much because I think it's very interesting. They said, let's do it maybe smaller scale, but let's just try and doing it. We just had to tweak it. But yeah, the, the object of the study is there. COVID will not stop it. We are tackling three big questions about delayed greening. And the first one is they say that delayed greening is yes or no, it's binary. So usually everyone that has measured delayed greening before me looked at the leaf and say, this is delayed greening. Usually the leaves are like very red and they're very striking. But then I thought, yeah, but like the shade of red is not always the same. So probably delayed greening is just not binary, yes or no, it's continuous. So probably it's, it's a number. And so even just sampling Australia and New Zealand, I will have enough data to say it is actually a continuous variable, not just a binary variable. So it doesn't have to be for that part global itself. I just need to sample many, many ecosystems so that I have enough sample points to say, look, it's not actually binary, it's, it's another thing. And then the next point is about latitude. And technically, the, all the scientists that studied the late greening said the late greening is just tropical. You will, you will only find it in the tropics and that's it. And then I was working here, I'm in Sydney, I'm very far from the tropics and I saw species with the late greening. So at least sampling this point that are very far from the tropics and going towards the tropics, I still have a nice latitudinal gradient to say it's not tropical. Because what I'm thinking is that people love the tropics. I don't know why ecologists have this huge love for the tropics, which is amazing, but sometimes they get tunnel vision about that. So they say, ah, this phenomenon is just in the tropics. And then I'm here or in Europe say, mm, it's not always like that. And so it's not a huge latitudinal gradient, but I think it's perfectly enough to say, look, probably the lake greening is just not strictly tropical. It's more common than we thought. And then the last one, the last point that I want to test is about fertility, which is where the love of, of soil that I have kicks in. Because we think that this fact that plants 
don't deploy chlorophyll in the young leaves is due to the soil nutrients. And of, of course, soils in the tropics um, are very not fertile, but there are many parts of the world that are not tropical and have very shitty soil. And Australia is the perfect example. <laughs> and so what I'm going to do, I will just sample soil for nitrogen, phosphorus, and other nutrients. And based on the results that I get, I will see if soil nutrients actually affect the lake greening. And Australia was just perfect. But then we needed something that was with high soil fertility because Australia has overall very low fertility. And so we thought the original points were in Europe. European soils are pretty young, so very fertile, but Europe cannot be done. And so it's like, where is a country reachable with very rich and fertile soils? Ah, New Zealand, it's perfect. So if the, if the points that I have in New Zealand with very high fertility soils, we show less delayed greening and points in, in Australia with very low fertility soils, we show more delayed greening. Well, that means that delayed greening is actually somehow related with soil nutrients because no one thought about that. Like, I think that's why plants don't put chlorophyll in it because, you know, younglings, you just touch them and they die or they fall or they get damaged. Can you imagine you have like little to no nitrogen and you put all the nitrogen that you have in these young leaves that are just doomed? Like, that's not very smart. Plants are smarter than that. And so that's why we think probably in sites that are naturally low in fertility, plants have evolved this strategy to save as much nutrients as possible. I'm actually super happy and I really hope that I will be able to make people interested in this thing. What I want you to do is just to raise awareness about how soil is important for plants because I see ecologists loving um, plant insects interaction, plant pollinators, plant climate, plant atmosphere, and soil is very, very little studied, like almost nothing because usually people associate soil with agriculture. So, you know, even if I can make one person interested in what soils can, you know, really how can soil can relate to plants, they would just be amazing. Ecology Matters is a podcast by the Ecological Society of Australia, a not-for-profit organisation supporting ecologists and ecological science in Australia. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. To learn more about our work, follow us on social media, visit our website or sign up to our newsletter. You can find links to these in the show notes. This episode was produced by Grace Heathcote and Elodie Compressi. The theme music is Glow by Scott Buckley. Lastly, thank you to all the ecologists who have taken part in this series and shared their perspectives on why ecology matters.